Hello again. Welcome back. Welcome in. Country Roads Confidential here. On a Friday at earsports.com, I am Mike Cassasso, ready to talk some NFL draft present, future, and how it does or may not involve the West Virginia University Mountaineers. And in to help me is Chris Anderson. Chris, what was it like to have, and I'm using air quotes in my office here, sports back last night? <laughs> uh it was good. I, I I wasn't sure how it would go. Uh, to be honest, I thought it went okay. Like as far as the presentation from ESPN and NFL Network, I kind of flipped back and forth. Um, I thought it was all right. Uh, it did make me feel a little more normal getting to see things that I'm used to seeing. Uh, sports, talking football, talking heads going crazy. The Dolphins making a really bad pick. Uh, so I oh. was... I was uh, right, and not not the Tua pick. I like that one, but a little bit later in the round uh, with the cornerback again. But it was nice. It was refreshing. You know, after so long of nothing being normal, this was nice to have normal or somewhat normal. It kind of blended in this new thing that we're all doing. We're all zooming, or we're doing hangouts, or FaceTime with the number of people because that's all we can do right now to see friends and family. And I find that it kind of makes for a, a fun exercise to watch bad movies for, with people, to watch old sporting events with people. Watching the draft last night with my friends who were dotted across the country and who are fans of teams who were picking early was, was kind of exhilarating because there was like this persistent tension about how somebody was going to screw something up, like the technology was going to threaten the, the smooth flow of this draft or somebody wouldn't know what to do or they missed the time or whatever, or maybe they would just make a bad pick. There wasn't a whole lot of information about who was going to go where in this draft because people weren't meeting as often and, and having, you know, sources and leaks kind of spin this rumor cycle, which always precedes a draft. And we kind of cling to things like, for example, your Dolphins trading up to number one, where was that ever going to really happen? Probably not. So that was kind of fun. And I kind of wonder, like, is watching TV with your friends in different parts of the country and not necessarily in your living room, is that going to become part of our sports life now? Because think about it. When was the last time you watched a sporting event without your phone? Because you're tweeting or you're texting people. I wonder if like this is going to be something we do in the future. Now, are we going to be having Zoom on, or we be hanging out with our friends virtually as we watch games or drafts in the future? I, I have an important question for you, and it involves the, I guess, screw ups. Waiting to see if someone's going to screw up because I was I was waiting for this. Uh, was that guy in the background of Mike Vrabel's quote unquote <laughs> war room sitting on the toilet? I need answers on this. I need somebody to go in depth on that. Uh, We don't have a Titans writer. You know, we've got college only, but man, I would like to know that answer. What what, what about the mini Gruden next to John Gruden in the Raiders room? I don't Was that Frank Caliendo or was that like Gruden's son? It it was a dead ringer. I loved it. Uh, And and I also, I mentioned this on Twitter last night. I just love the, the hierarchy of these rooms. I know we've seen these rooms in the past, but it's usually reserved for, you know, third, fourth, fifth rounders, and the next day after some of the hype has kind of died down. But this was, uh, you could see the moms in charge of every room. Uh, you could tell which girlfriends were uh, longtime girlfriends and loved by the families and which were the new girlfriends <laughs> that no one was really trusted. Um, and I absolutely, absolutely loved the two dozen cousins and friends that were crammed in the hallway for every video shot so that, you know, no one thought that there were more than six people at that gathering. Uh, yeah. All holding their phone from off the side of the, of the screen. Uh, that was fantastic. 
Except Gettleman with the Giants, who was by himself and some reason had a mask on. Yeah, someone sent me a message saying, hey, he has lymphoma, leave him alone. And Oh, okay. Okay, okay but for the first, I don't know, 15 minutes that they were showing him, he didn't have it on and then decided halfway through to put it on to Zoom. I don't... I don't know. I don't want to. Cause, yeah, if you have lymphoma, obviously you have to be extremely careful with what's going on. But um, nothing's coming through on Zoom. And if you're concerned overall, then what happened to the first 15 minutes of you sitting at your computer? It was uh, a big night for Duke Tobin's setup. He's the director of player personnel for the Bengals. And like he's got a sweet little pad like in his, I guess you would call it like living room maybe great room, which transitions into a kitchen. And I only know this because like his family was coming in, like getting drinks out of the fridge and sitting down while he's, he's conducting the draft. <laughs> and it was just totally wild to see this. I kind of liked it because I mean, they're, they're just like us in this situation. They can't leave their house. They have to work from home. And like, when you see a guy who's pouring over like the number one pick or maybe his subsequent decisions and all of a sudden his kid comes in and grabs a Gatorade and sits down and like, what's up, dad? Nothing. Just drafting Joe Burrow. <laughs> It was really strange. I don't know about you, Mike, but uh, I often look exactly like Cliff Kingsbury did last night. Did Um, he know there was a draft? (laughs) Of course he did. Like (laughs) he was like, "Hey, look, show me what that camera angle looks like to show my my courtyard out here with with my fireplace (laughs) gathering for small weddings." (laughs) That was like. If you would have asked me to imagine what Cliff Kingsbury's home draft room was look like, that is exactly how I would draw it up to. I, I wonder if at like 7.50 his phone rang and was like, don't forget, we got the draft. <laughs> and he just came downstairs and threw on some Kingsbury clothes and just propped his feet up on the table and let everybody spin because he looked like he was perfectly at peace. Now, I guess when you get Isaiah Simmons at eight and you yeah. go with the offseason they've had, that's pretty good too. So I, I enjoyed that. I think my favorite moment was number two was Chase Owens. Was kind of like the the logical pick at number two, but Chase Young, Chase Young, Chase Young. I'm sorry, who's Chase Owens? <laughs> no idea. Chase Young, um, easy pick at number two, except that like when the pick was in and the the time had expired, and they're in his living room, and it looks like there's certain chaos. He's on the phone, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, maybe this is like a trade, or maybe like you know, maybe he didn't go number two, and we have some surprise, and like, wow, that looks like a guy who thought he was going to be number two and, and is obviously disappointed. No, that's the look of a guy who got drafted by the Redskins. <laughs> and I swear we, they came back and said, hey, can you do that over? It looks like that something bad happened here and you're going like 25 overall. And then all of a sudden he's very excited too. So take two, I think. The director came in and made sure they shot it again. Yeah, there there were a few of those. Uh, another one was, was it uh, C.J. Henderson's brother who looked like just like, ah, oh, bro. <laughs> You're getting drafted by the oh no, and then kind of came back a couple minutes later, and all of a sudden, boom! There he is. Uh, he's happy and he's smiling and laughing. He definitely got a, a a text from ESPN or whoever just saying, "Hey, uh, can you look like your brother just became an instant millionaire and got drafted in the top ten? Thanks." Chase Owens, by the way, is a professional wrestler in New Japan Pro Wrestling and a member of the Bullet Club. Oh. Wow. Top of top of my mind for some reason, I guess. I haven't caught up yeah. with my NJPW lately, but perhaps I've seen him on TV. Uh, let's talk about who was not drafted and things that we did not see, but probably didn't expect us. None of West Virginia's draft hopefuls were taken in the first round. To no surprise, maybe one, I think we can call, expatriate might have slipped in. Certainly today, the second and third rounds, and then tomorrow, four, five, six, and seven, and the undrafted free agent free-for-all will be much busier, but 
I'm not going to ask you no surprises about the first round, but how do you think rounds two and three look today? Um, I mean, I think we have to keep an eye on on Kenny Robinson and Colton McKibbitts. The but at, if you had asked me before the draft, I would have said Robinson. There seemed to be a lot of buzz about him. Uh, obviously, Pro Football Focus came out and said that their analysis uh, shows that he's a first round pick. And I was like, oh man, you, you really got to keep an eye on him. And and we saw how good he was at West Virginia, earning first team All Big Twelve as a sophomore. And McKibbitts seemed to be sliding, was was moving back despite a strong senior year. I hadn't I actually saw a couple mock drafts that didn't have him taken at all. Mm-hmm. A couple others having him going in the sixth or seventh round. But then uh, not a lot of love for safeties last night in the, in the draft, which is, uh, you know, it, it, it's as much as it, where you get drafted is as important as how good you are but also how big of a run there is kind of at your position. And if all of a sudden there's a run on safeties, say, you know, four or five, six safeties getting drafted in a row, you're going to start sliding up. And I, how many, did any of them get taken? Did, did McKinney end up getting, I know McKinney slid, but did he get taken at the tail end of the draft? No, I don't think, I don't think a draft, a safety got taken, did they? No, no safety so far. So, um, that's not great for, for Robinson. You know, it's not a good sign. Maybe teams are, Maybe there'll be a run in the second round, but maybe teams just aren't putting the emphasis on getting a safety early or feel like they can find some corners that are more versatile. Uh, but, uh, you know, offensive tackle, there were a few taken in the first round, which is a good sign, maybe a few more, and 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 Colton can hear his name at some point. Uh, I, I still don't know about tonight in rounds two or three, but maybe early Saturday. Safety is kind of like the running back on offense i think there's a lot of them out there um and you can kind of develop them too they become good players you'll see guys become like undrafted players or six round picks do really good uh jaleela dies had a pretty good career and was just a guy you know in, in the draft and then kind of turned himself into it with the chargers and believe he's with the colts now i'm not sure but just locally keeping it aimed with the dies um kind of an example of a guy who that you can just build into what you want and the fact is that like they almost have to be big corners now so that may help Kenny because he kind of is a big cornerback, but you play a lot closer to the line. You're in coverage a lot more. Those days of like powerful hulking free safety, strong safeties are probably few and far between right now. So maybe a little bit more generic as far as skill set. Maybe you don't have to like be some freak who can run around like uh, like Jamal Adams, for example. Um, right. A little bit different might might change that perspective there. But I think you're right. Uh, not a popular position, but maybe maybe the the run uh, includes him here. Here's a good question for you. Kenny Robinson is drafted, I don't know, uh, pick 50 overall. So second-round pick, good position, great story for him. By the way, his agents have done a wonderful job in getting him to tell that story in the Players' Tribune so that he didn't have to answer any questions and he could tell it his way. It was perfect. Um, so kudos to them. But picked 50, great day, uh, great day for him, great story. Conclusion is exactly what he wanted. Can West Virginia claim him as a draft pick? I mean, I think they will. Oh, I think. I think literally, better, literally kicked him out of school, though. <laughs> yeah, but hey, but always it, be recruiting. But, I I know who's gonna, I know who's gonna claim him is gonna be Neil Brown and the staff when they're talking to recruits. They're gonna claim, look at that, that's a West Virginia kid. So it's gonna be a tug of war. You're gonna have one pull from down to Raleigh, North Carolina. You're gonna have another pull down in Houston, Texas. <laughs> You're gonna have a pull in Morgantown, and then also St. Louis, the Battlehawks—they get to hang a banner, right? First draft pick from the XFL. 
last and, draft pick from the XFL. Like it's yeah. gonna be a, a tug of war for his his affinity or his uh, affiliation. And I wouldn't be surprised if he comes out and starts. And you know, we see guys do this all the time, and and for yes, no big reason. But he's absolutely going to be go. Uh, <laughs> I'm from Pittsburgh. You know, he's going to do his starting lineup thing on the NFL one day, and he's going to say, uh, you know, Kenny Robinson, safety. Uh, oh, crap, I can't. Now I'm blanking on where St. Louis Battlehawks. Or well, I think he's going to say from Pittsburgh. I don't even think he's going to say St. Louis Battlehawks. I think he's you know he's he's a guy that's not afraid. Even when he was at WVU. Uh, you know, he loved WVU, but he was the first to admit that he's from Pittsburgh and he would say something like that. He would say he's from, you know, from his high school and uh, he was really proud. University prep. That's where he was at. So that would not shock me in the least if he is one of those guys, but one of those guys that is doing it because he absolutely does not want to say WVU or the Battlehawks. This is a great question. So a question Spinning off of my question, I don't. I I'm sure that West Virginia will try to put him in the media guide, but like, that's kind of disingenuous. I know football probably didn't want to get rid of him, although football has to kind of acknowledge what he submitted to, so it did happen. And it's a, it's kind of a fun little what if there. Can they put him in the media guides? Can they count him? I guess they will. He'll be on a Twitter graphic sometime soon with their running safeties. They've had a lot of safeties drafted the last few years, so that's mm-hmm. cool. But yeah, Sunday Night Football, Kenny Robinson. Actually, it'd be it wouldn't it was uh, Imani Christian, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was. Oh, Actually, Imani it was. It was yeah, sorry. It sorry, didn't yeah. even have a program before he showed up, and he became like their quarterback slash running back slash receiver. But would he put? Would he say Imani Christian? Would he say WVU? Would he say St. Louis Battlehawks? Would he say School of Hard Knocks? I don't know. <laughs> it's going to be an interesting thing. Now I can't wait for football to come back for another reason. I got to see this happen because he's going to play and they'll get drafted too. So that's fun. Uh, and yeah, McKivitz starting on the right side. Offensive lineman of the year on the left side could play guard. There are some I've even talked to him about this. Like there are some teams that say you could probably play all four spots for us, which is maybe disconcerting because they don't have an idea for him. They don't have a you are definitely you're a definite pick for left tackle. You're definitely our pick for right tackle. You know we want to have you as a guard, but there's there's some value. There's some longevity in being you know the eighth or ninth guy on the line and, and keeping a job because you can fill multiple spots. It's it's akin to being able to play special teams. Um, and also receiver or also running back because he can fill multiple roster spots. So, And then maybe he's good enough where he grows into it, similar to a Don Barclay projection. He'll get drafted and and probably have a home, uh, I would say, Saturday, maybe not today, just because some of the things you pointed out where all of a sudden the buzz is not as high as it was on him, and people seem to have their tackles right now because they got ambitious last night with some top-shelf players. But so good story for him, though, because, again, he was – thrown in early, earlier than expected, and then made that money by going to the left side last year. I'm not sure he's as highly considered if he doesn't play left tackle and then win the lineman of the year award. Okay, that's where I was going with that. Because, you know, obviously he he was thinking that he would leave last year. He, he debated it, decided to come back. And his big reason was he had spent all his time at right tackle because obviously Yadney was on the left tackle side. And then he moved over to left tackle this year to try to show his versatility and because left tackle is typically more valued in the NFL than, than right tackle, but he still might end up late round. I mean, do you think I like in my mind, I would have thought he would have drastically improved his stock with a, what I thought was a very good year, uh, big 12 co-offensive lineman of the year, all big 12, some all American honors. But if he comes out last year, is he not still probably like a late round pick or 
Do you think guys, do you think it's one of those instances where maybe NFL teams saw as many flaws with more film as they saw good things? That's a good question. He didn't hurt himself by coming back. He, I don't think he had a great junior year. I think you could probably say his sophomore year was better. Would you agree there? Yeah. Okay. So I think he had to get back to what was on tape before. And I don't, I don't think that the problems were necessarily on him, but I just think that like he had a better sophomore season and maybe didn't have uh, the best situation around him. Um, although that offense is pretty good. So you're wondering, huh, how did that happen? But, you know, Greer got the offensive line in the trouble sometimes too. I mean, that, that, that did happen. I mean, he took some sacks because he didn't get rid of the ball and perhaps some of those things happened that reflects on him, but um, I'm not, I'm not sure he was a high pick. And I think that even trying to think if it was him or if it was someone else, but like he did, you know, get some, some whispers last year. And it was kind of like, no, you should go back to school. And like that kid's just wired that way. He's going to, he's going to listen and take the, the advice of what other people have told him, which is what he's done and why he's at this point, even because he's been smart about things, you know? So, I, I, I'm not sure he would have been drafted last year. Um, and I, I don't think he would have been in the conversation of, could he be a second or third round pick like we're having right now? He's probably not a second or third round pick, but I think we're much more likely to have a conversation last year about, all right, where's he going to sign afterwards? than we are saying, is he going to get picked in the fourth round? So probably did help himself in the fact that playing on the left side, but he didn't hurt himself. He got back to where he was two years ago and was even better too. So I think he kind of showed that that junior season wasn't, you know, perfect, but you know, some teams really use junior film too because a lot of guys put it together in their second or third year as a starter. They realize that they're graduating, they can get out, and they're really ambitious in that junior year because you know, not a lot of guys like to spend five years on campus or another year on campus and in school when you've already graduated. And you don't have to do that anymore. So the fact that he got back to where he'd been and it didn't look like he got, you know, off track, that was more helpful for him than anything else. So are you are you ready for? a combination of the ultimate transition and the ultimate self pat on the back? (laughs) Probably not, but now I'm intrigued. (laughs) So back when McKibbitts was just a high schooler committed to West Virginia, I wrote, and I'm trying to pull it back up right now, but I said, this is the kid that is going to be ranked as a low three star, high two star, but is the perfect frame and combination of athleticism, former basketball player, and long arms that you can mold into an NFL offensive tackle. This is the guy you take a gamble on because, for those who don't recall, he had committed to Miami of Ohio, mm-hmm. and in part because West Virginia was kind of putting him on the back burner for a couple other guys. Then they flipped him later. And so who do you think... And and so what I'm getting at that is that we're going to have when he gets drafted, if he gets drafted, we're going to have some stories up on these guys about their time back when they were recruits. Um, he was a guy, I think, kind of pinpointed pretty early, even when he's a recruit as man, the, the potential is there for him to be an NFL draft guy. Are there any guys on the roster now? And you kind of put out a list the other day that you feel like will be next that that, that same kind of potential where it's like it's not there yet, but. He has it. Ooh, should we just segue into our conversation piece? Yeah, let's go. Okay. Uh, yeah. So no one did get drafted, and we're having a conversation of who's going to get drafted today and tomorrow. That kind of led us down the inevitable road of looking at the roster, which is pretty good for this conversation, and saying, you know, who is in this next group of players that will be drafted? And um, 
I came up with a list and it turns out it was 10 people and it wasn't because I wanted to do a top 10 list. It's because I think that there's six or seven, you know, pretty good certainties, but also maybe like 12 or 13 or 14 people you can make an argument for. Perhaps it's not realistic and you're just kind of being, you know, you're talking yourself into it. But right in the middle, you have, you know, nine or 10 people that you would not be surprised at all if they're drafted. And quite frankly, you'd be surprised they weren't because of the way things look right now. So I did get into that and came up with 10. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Um, one offensive lineman, though. Mm. And he's not a tackle. <laughs> and I think some of the people I was talking about were, you know, 12, 13, 14 could be guys who look like they have a chance because of their 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 stats and their their vitals so you would think brandon yates parker moore junior uzebu all big tackle tackle types uh, i did not go with any one of them because i haven't seen two of them play and haven't seen much from the third actually i don't even think uzebu played tackle at all last year did he no i don't think so okay so i haven't seen the snap from any of those guys i did see james gamitter start 10 games play clean six times you know with no miss assignments play six games where he didn't allow a pressure or a sack and then he did that at both left guard and right guard. He's going to be your starting right guard next year. He's going to be 21 when the season starts. Um, a guy who started for four years in high school who looks like a guard and probably plays like a guard isn't going to have to mess around with bouncing outside. He's got his whole future ahead of him. So, you know, a four-year starter, an all-state guy at Class 6A in the Whippeal. Um, remember, he was a defensive lineman 13 months ago. They moved him over to offensive line in the spring. It wasn't a fresh, you know, a blank slate with him. He played offensive line. Um, at his high school, so it was somewhat new, but they threw him in, and he started 10 games because they thought he was better than other options, and he held the spot down, too. I think he's one guy that could definitely be in the conversation a couple years from now, too, because he's going to be a starter in the middle for a Big 12 team for a while, and that longevity matters, and you know, this year will be really important for him, too, because sophomore slumps are one thing, but you know, can he can he continue to go you know, on an upward level, which he's been he's been on a rocket for like 13 months now to get where he is. So that'll be a, a really big tell for him is what he does his junior year. And then he'll put himself on the radar if all goes well, where maybe he's talking about after his junior year. But certainly 23, 24, those are conversations you can have. Wait a minute, 22, 23, those are conversations you can have with a guy like him, I think. Um, agree or disagree, and what do you think of other offensive line candidates? So I'm I'm torn on interior linemen. Obviously, it's uh, tough. Tackle is is where you know what's valued in the NFL, and ever since the entire NFL passed on Quentin Spain through seven rounds, all Big Twelve lineman, four star recruit, multi year starter, showed some versatility that he could play outside. Uh, ever since then, I, I've kind of I've been extremely hesitant to think that mm-hmm. any interior lineman can be drafted. I mean, we've seen. Dan Moses and Tyler Orlowski go undrafted, all Americans, uh, you know, top center in the Remington award winners, uh, a winner and a finalist. And it just doesn't happen that often. And so I think, you know, when we were discussing 
your list right before we got on here. And I, I had a, a guy or two that I might slide in at the tail end of a 10 if I ranked him one through 10. I'd have to remove Committer, not because I don't think he can be great, but because I just think the NFL and their standards for interior linemen is so much different um, than, than just pure college production. And I don't know the answer to him being an NFL guy. I don't know if he if he is or isn't. And so I would have gone somewhere else. And and I honestly right now would not have anybody on the offensive line in there. I just don't Fair. think we know enough. If if we went full, you know, I talked about McKivitz and how I said if this happens and this and this and this, then McKivitz could pay off in a big way. Uzebu is another one that I picked out of high school in the same way. And we haven't seen anything yet. We saw something with McKivitz pretty early in his career. Uh, nothing with Eusebio yet, but he's a guy that that I liked on film and that our scouts down in Georgia loved uh, just because of his arm length, his size, his potential. He hadn't been playing football that long, um, and he had the frame that you could really kind of build into the perfect kind of perfect-looking offensive tackle. Uh, if he gets there, I think we'll have an answer before the – uh, halfway point of this season, uh, but I don't have it yet. Brandon Gates is the one to watch, right? Yeah, from the young, young, young way. Yeah, yeah. I just, I just think that he's a guy that it, when you're talking about McKivitz and and the the molded clay, so to speak, I think that Yates probably has that a, a really talented, and highly rated kid who's probably his drawback last year was he enrolled so late. Uh, otherwise, he'd be probably ahead. I would think of where. Moore or Beaver or other guys from that class, or perhaps even Uzebu. Um, I just think he's that, that big and that talented, too. That'd be a guy to watch. But again, having not seen it, that's hard. And I, there's going to be a bit of hypocrisy involved there as we get to the rest of our list for guys I haven't seen. I can evaluate him when I actually do that twice. <laughs> but uh, let's let's not go through every one of them. You can check this list out at earsports.com. Probably find it on our, our Twitter accounts and our Facebook accounts, too. But uh, the other guys that I put in this list, and we can go through quickly on them when I'm done, but uh, this is alphabetical order, so I'm not ranking. I'm not saying most likely to least likely. Um, I'll say hello to all the players who are reading this. They don't get mad at me, too, for putting them seventh in the list when actually that's their alphabetical order. But uh, it began, curiously, and you'll have a funny story about this, with Jared Bartlett. I just think there's a lot of potential there as a linebacker who can do different things. Vandarius Cowan, I think, is probably one of the more physically gifted naval players in the defense who could really make a mark and leave a mark at either Bandit or Mike. Uh, then Gmitter. Sam James, probably the first name that makes a lot of sense where, where you're thinking about this exercise, and that's one of the names that comes to your mind, has a chance to be like a, a top threat in the Big 12 for you know, three or four seasons. We go a little bit off the reservation, perhaps, with uh, Drayshawn Miller, cornerback, junior college transfer, hasn't played yet at West Virginia. Uh, we stay off the reservation, perhaps, with Michael Lachlan. That is the last pass catcher on this list. He's a tight end. He's not a receiver. There are some good receivers and perhaps prospective NFL talents. Uh, our first stills, Dante. Our second stills, Darius. Tyke Smith has a chance to put up big numbers in the defensive backfield for an entire career. And then we close with the one player who isn't even on campus yet but's on the list is David Vincent Ocoli. Um, I think has a real chance to be a, a starter sooner than later, an all-conference player before long, and an NFL player when all is said and done there. So that is my list of 10. Chris, take out your sharp instruments and chop me into little pieces. Uh, I'll give you kudos first and a little a little bit of anger from my end. Uh, I didn't realize you did it in alphabetical order until after I told you the story, but 
I was I was peeved that you led with Jared Bartlett because I thought I was being so sneaky and smart and was going to surprise everybody by putting him near the top of my list just because he is a guy that if you see him in person and the picture that you see that people seeing on the site that we have there that that was me and you standing about mm-hmm. ten feet away from him he is massive he is built this was his true freshman season he's built already like a grown man he is what six three or so uh is 230 220 pounds and and he has the speed to come off the edge he is built exactly like nfl scouts want their edge rushers their outside linebackers these hybrid type of players that are versatile and can uh, get after the quarterback and so i think if he continues on the path that he's currently on, you know, already kind of getting in there a little bit as a, as a true freshman, he's somebody that is going to hear his name called in the NFL draft. I absolutely would have had him on my list. 205 pounds last year. He's 233 right now. Shoot. Um, that's happening. Yeah. Uh, so 205 last year. So that's that was that picture where I said he looked like a grown man at 205, and now he's 233. Mm-hmm. So he's even bigger than, you know, I, I visibly remember seeing him. Uh, it'll be fun to see if he's Mike or Bandit, and then how much they move him around. Like, could he could he play like I'm not? I don't want to make an Isaiah Simmons comparison because it's not fair. But like, you see linebackers who are doing things like this right now, where you can stay base and not get scrambled by offensive personnel, and you do different stuff. And then the Big Twelve is going to be really important. But um, I mean, he just looks like he's athletic. He's fast. He gets to where he wants to go. He played between thirty and forty five snaps in every game he played in last year too. For a guy who only played four games, that's a whole lot of rope to play with. Um, the one, one guy that I, I really thought about putting on there that you didn't have on there, you, you mentioned him, uh, in passing and you brought up a good point that it's difficult to figure out who's going to break out at receiver, but man, I love Sean Ryan, uh, six, three, two, 10, two, 15, a big guy can run, can move, can catch. If he can stay healthy, then he's somebody and, and you know, continue to contribute, continue to be a top two receiver, if he can try to be a top two receiver this year or next on the team, then he's somebody that I could see kind of skyrocketing up the boards given how quickly he's contributed at the FBS level and his size and, and strength that they just, he's, he's big. Like, I, I don't know when you look at him, he just looks like a grown man too, which helps. He moves, moves pretty good for someone that big too. Yeah. Um, a chance and two conversations to have here, but one, it's just I've, I've talked to college personnel people about this and NFL personal personnel people about this, but guys who transfer and don't stick the landing right away, it's it's hard to stay on the radar and it's hard to it's hard to to get everybody's attention a second time. So, not through no fault of his own, he got hurt last year, but he transferred, lost the second season essentially with West Virginia. And you got to get back now onto the radar and then move yourself up again. And you know, T.J. Simmons is in a similar situation where. He disappeared for a year and then was the fourth receiver on a team that really played with three receivers uh, two seasons ago. And now he's a senior where, again, was hurt and didn't put up big numbers last year. He might be an NFL talent. Is he an NFL pick? Probably not. He could have a big year, but right now, can you say that? I don't know. Um, It just seems like when you're a transfer, you really got to make it count right away, which has happened at West Virginia a lot. It just maybe not right now in either one of the situations, which was part of my calculus here. The other one is, are their receivers too good? (laughs) 
like we James, I think, is the one that everybody would agree on. But you look at we haven't even mentioned Ollie Jennings, who just in glimpses in the spring looked like a different and certainly better player. I think a lot of people think highly of Sam Brown. That's six receivers right there. You look at they're probably pretty good players. Yeah, right, Bryce Wheaton too, who looks like a statue out there. He's a big chisel kid. And I think I'm having the same issues. It, you know, maybe it won't make a difference a year from now or two years from now, but also on defensive line. Cause you mentioned already yeah. Dante and Darius stills. And I loved your prop bet. We can talk about that in a second uh, about those two, but looking at some of the other guys, the young guys behind them, Jordan Jefferson and Jalen Thornton. I mean, Jalen Thornton obviously has NFL genes, which yeah, scouts love. They love mm-hmm. that. Uh, and he already looks the part. He played tight end in high school and moved mm-hmm. extremely well. So he's not some big, slow body. Uh, he is kind of, you know, an ideal type of defensive lineman for the game nowadays. Jordan Jefferson, I still – I never saw him in high school. I've seen his film, looked pretty good. But this is obviously true freshman and came in and contributed at defensive line right away in the Big 12. And a defensive line that that we all admit – it was already pretty good. Has some good players on it, but I still recall Jordan Leslie, defensive line coach for West Virginia. When I asked about him, oh god, what was that? So I guess a year ago, over a year ago, February of 2019, before Jefferson had even gotten to campus, and Leslie was glowing about him. He could not believe that he not only wasn't ranked, but that they were able to steal him away at the last minute mm-hmm. after they had left Troy. He was giddy at the thought of Jefferson ending up at Troy. And then for him to come to West Virginia and be able to still sneak down there and get him, he couldn't believe it. And so I, I sometimes when you're doing this and you're making projections, whether it be recruiting rankings or NFL, you go off what you know, but you also have to trust the people that, that do this for a long time. And if Jordan Leslie, a longtime defensive line coach, who has dealt with a lot of very good players is gushing about a guy like that. I have to think he's, uh, you know, got some big potential. Skip, don't disagree there. Let's uh, let's go down to the defensive line. We'll sk- we'll skim through things here. Uh, Vandarius Cowan, the 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 red flags, if you will, are the red flags. He's got to be on the field. He, he's got to behave. He's got to be eligible, and then he's got to stay healthy. But if he is, he's really got a chance to stand out because he's just that good. I mean, you don't give up on five star recruits, and it wasn't that long ago he was a top what top 15 player in the country. Um, so that's not a bad place to start. Gamera, we went over Sam James again, few freshmen in the country were as productive as him last year. We forget he was a freshman, um, redshirt freshman, but still, and onward and upward for him. Then we got into Miller, a cornerback, uh, went to junior college, became a four-star prospect, committed to LSU. That team won a national championship. And obviously they have an eye for talent. He ended up at West Virginia, hurt his knee, um, it maybe works out best for him because he didn't have to split time and lose a season, if you will, behind uh, Keith Washington and Akeem Bailey. So he's going to have two seasons now left to really make and leave his mark. Michael Lachlan is probably the one that's going to make people wonder. But again, a, a tight end who's got you know basketball build and skills, was a receiver, but really came on as a blocker last year. That usually takes a while, but he seems to be um, situated and getting better there once he starts catching passes, scoring touchdowns. Really could pop up and really be a problem in the slot. Um, Browns offenses have used that in the past. But here are the Stills brothers and the prop bet. Here we go. Which Stills is drafted first? It's somewhat of a trick question. Uh, Darius is a 
true senior. Dante is a true junior. I think Dante is probably, I don't think, he, he's the better physical specimen of fo- as a football player. Darius is no slouch, though. He's, and he's really worked himself into that, sh- that situation. But also, Dante is a defensive end and looks like a defensive end in the NFL. Darius is a little undersized as a nose guard, but makes plays. Um, he's still smallish in college, and he's still productive in college. He's had the better college career, and you might say that at the end of next year, he might have a better college career than his brother. But his brother might just be a better prospect and get picked sooner. Kind of a fun what if. Who gets drafted first? And that presumes uh, Dante goes pro. He might not. I loved it. I think it's a great question. And I, it, you just mentioned all the reasons why it's tough. Because Darius is has done more. Um, has really changed his body. But then, God, Dante, you, you, guys are ranked four and five star recruits for a reason. I put the stat out there earlier. Five percent of all Division One football players receive a four or five star rating, and they made up sixty six percent of the first round of the NFL draft. Uh, these guys, it, a lot obviously they they start producing in college as well, but NFL scouts are looking as much at the potential and the body frame, the athleticism, the combination of that size and speed and everything else. And Dante has all that Darius worked to get there. And I think there's a difference and scouts see a difference and that's a positive and a negative for Darius. Obviously when I first saw him, I think it was his sophomore year in high school. I thought there was no way this kid was going to play uh power five football. Uh, he was, he was too big, like too fat. Yeah. Like, it wasn't good weight. Uh, he was too slow. He wasn't strong enough. And then he showed up a few months later at another camp and he had completely changed his body. And I knew then that West Virginia would offer. It took him a little bit longer, but they did. And he's continued to change his body. But at some point, you know, you kind of reach your peak. Like you can't, he's not going to get taller. He's not going to get that much stronger. So I think he might be maxed out, as you said, as a smaller interior lineman, while Dante's kind of, just getting started. I don't know how much his body has changed since he got to WVU. I'm sure it has some, but I think he can still develop even more and just be a freak athlete off the edge. Yeah, he played darn near 300 pounds last year. Maybe not by the end of the season, but he was up you know, right around that 290-ish, and that's too much for him. They want to get him, I believe Brown said around 275, and I think he dipped below that because he got sick, so it was kind of hard for him to, to gain and then keep, or lose and then lose the right amount of weight so then they had to have him gain some weight so um honestly the, the pause may be good for him to get his body right but yeah if he comes in at, at his his size and his strength but like you know 275 280 whew. um and again there's no reese donahue around for him right now thornton's there it, maybe you see quay mays someone like that but it's going to be mostly him playing the snap so i mean the production for him could increase uh and like you're saying the best is probably still ahead for him whereas his brother and this sounds like an insult, and it's not, but has probably worked himself to near max on his production, you know, like where he can go, what he can do. Um, teams draft on ceilings sometimes, too, and if you can make a guy better in the NFL than taking a guy who's maybe close to as good as he's going to get, that's that, that's part of the that's part of the decision those teams make and why they do so much scouting, too. Uh, two more picks here. Uh, Tyke Smith, um, really good freshman year. Where will he play? I don't know. That's going to be really interesting, especially in two years when Mahone is gone and they need a spot back there, but they have some other guys who may be able to play. You can keep him there for four years and not have to worry about that. Spear might work for him because he's not like linebacker B, 
big, but neither was Giovanni Stewart. But you're near the ball. Maybe he blitzes more. Maybe he gets some TFLs. But he's obviously talented. He can play. Let's talk about the last one, though, David Vincent O'Coley. Um, I can't pick offensive tackles because I haven't seen him play. This guy has not been on the college campus yet, and here he is. But this almost feels like no contest, right? He should be on this list. I mean, when you look at a guy that is that size, looks like a grown man already, and runs a 4-4 and the 40-yard dash and moves the way he does, can play corner, wide receiver. I, you know, he had he had power five offers at corner and wide receiver, which yep. there's only a handful of people that can say that. And he, it's not all straight line speed. He can cut. He can move. Uh, there are very, very few combinations of that kind of talent. And he's a smart kid, too. So I think he'll pick up the defense quickly. And he's not afraid of anything. So he'll be great at corner as far as, you know, if he gets beat, he'll be able to shake that off. He'll have the right mentality needed for that position as well. So I think he is somebody that absolutely needs to be in that top 10, even though he's never played a college snap. He's one of the big victims of this this pause right now because if he was on campus in June, he's starting at some point, right? <laughs> I mean, he's got yeah. a chance, I guess, right? Like, yeah, and he's not going to have that now. Like, I don't know what that says about Miller or uh, Nick Troy Fortune or guys like that, but I mean, he's he's good. I had someone compare him a little bit to Daryl Worley. Do you see that at all? Uh, yeah, I guess I could. I think Worley was a little bit taller, mm-hmm. a little bit. Not as because because is a little more compact and muscular. Uh, he's not even Worley, six foot, right? Yeah, I don't think he's. I think he's five eleven, and he say any, but he's a, a lot more. And Worley was what six two, six something like that. Mm, and yeah, maybe on it with some lifts. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, Worley played safety corner. He was a track star, not quite as fast as Vincent O'Coley. Um but, you know, they have some of the same traits, uh, some versatility, some speed, uh, kind of college ready. So I could see some of the comparisons, but uh, Vincent O'Coley, I think, is going to be, if he can stick with it, he's going to be unlike any kind of high school cornerback that West Virginia's seen in, in years. Period. Let's end it there. <laughs> yes. Let's, let's max ourselves out there. Big weekend coming up with the draft, undrafted free agents. We didn't talk about George Campbell. We didn't talk about Keith Washington, Rex Sunahara, uh, Ruben Jones, guys like that who perhaps might not hear their name call, but certainly should have a home before Monday morning, I would think. Chris, you'll have that all covered on the website. Yes, we will. We'll have a full running of everybody that signs free agent deals, anybody that gets drafted, kind of look back at some guys from their recruiting days. And we will also have... What I think West Virginia handed out 28 offers on Thursday. So if you didn't get an offer on Thursday, uh, sorry, but uh, we caught up with a ton of them and we're going to have updates. I uh, got the VIP buzz up this morning, but we'll have updates with several more over the next few days, including a red hot quarterback offer. Yeah, I am tweeting that as we speak. Well, you can go check that out. That's behind the paywall. But guess what? 50% off an annual VIP membership. You can find that. You can find our list of draft players. You can hit our message boards, debate, agree, disagree, tell me why I'm right and Chris is wrong, as always. Go check us out, earsports.com. That is all for this time. Until next time, I'm Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.